I got a call from a friend from Falls Church here and this week and was asking some probing questions. And, and when we got done, uh, one of the things they had said to me is, you know, you need to articulate that a little more to our people. And although I feel like a broken record, maybe because Joan's always in on all these conversations that happen with me, uh, and at the risk of boring some of you, I will again, I want to again trace the steps of our journey as a church that have unfolded over the last couple of years that have brought us to this space and uh, how it unfolded uh, into this little chapel and what we hope to see happen into the future. I've been a builder since I found the Lord. God got a hold of my life as a teenager and uh, instantly made me, for the most part, a better worker, trustworthy, and somebody desiring to make a difference in the world. In my early Christian days, I would visit churches with some relatives and a girlfriend of mine and once in a while. And in my Pentecostal passion, I would say sometimes I remember saying to this girl I was dating, like, this place is dead, this church. There's no one worshiping and no one shouting amen and people are just bored religious people. And, and how can we talk about how good God is and what Jesus has done to, for us and realize how sinful we have been and how much he's forgiven us and called us into the light? How can we not be filled with praise and thanks to God? Anybody feel that way? Okay, there's a few amens. Thank you. And once I set out on a course for ministerial training, I would say, Lord, I don't ever want to do ministry because that's how I get paid. Because I, I felt like maybe in some of these churches, the old pastor guy, you know, like that's all he knew to do and he's going to keep preaching. And whether people are awake or not, he's, you know, that's his job. That's how he gets paid. And I, I remember having a constant fear as early as 1983 that I would become a pastor and I would bore some people, but it's how I pay my house payment and pay the rent. So I got to I got to keep this thing going. And I came out of the sex, drugs and rock and roll scene of the 1970s and 80s. And and when I found Jesus, everything in my life changed. And after 30 years of ministry, I started on a three year course for a master's in missional leadership. And I started reading lots of books of people I'd never heard of before in all my years. People who were questioning, bringing up questions about how we're doing church in America and how we're building our churches and how we've modeled our churches after corporations because we've wanted to become rich and famous. And so we've done everything we can do to get everybody in the church at the risk of telling the people what they want to hear. I've been in those meetings. Our church went from 500 to 2,500 over five years in Washington before we moved here. And we sat in meetings and we said, what do the people, what, we've tried to profile the average Joe of Olympia. I remember doing it in Wisconsin. Who's the average Wisconsin guy? And our church was exploding there. And, and so people in church growth seminars, they say, figure out who is the average person in Sioux Falls and what do they need? And then speak to those needs and they'll come. And if you think about it, it's really the opposite of how we should do, be doing ministry. We, Francis Chan talked about it in our Guys Wednesday night study. We had a great video called, uh, uh, I think it was, uh, Get Over Yourself. Uh, but, but the challenge was that, that we often 
pray, Lord, what, what do the people need to hear instead of, Lord, what do you want to say? Because maybe what God wants to say about repentance and about a changed life is completely different than how to make a better you in America. And I've done some real soul searching and decided I couldn't go on any longer promoting the church and its programs and its purposes and just keep it going for the sake of a building and a program and another building and, 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 and a paycheck. And as our leadership team We'd been considering leaving Grange. Uh, Matt, do you remember a few years ago when we signed the three-year lease again and we were thinking, you know, this is just a lot of money. And, but we all kind of sat around and went like, it's a great space, though. Man, it's wonderful. And we fixed up every corner of that place. And, and you know, we're, we're getting by over here, you know, and we can, we, if, if the church grows. And so we said, well, okay, let's start the learning center. Maybe that'll take the edge a little bit off the finances if we make the space productive during the week. And, and, and we did that. And, and we kept getting by week month after month over there and and uh but it had to have the simple purpose of loving god his son jesus and living for him in the last great days we all kind of go through that we don't want to just make payments right you've probably been in a house before where it stretched you and you were and the payments were heavier the car was the car payment was heavy and you're like I don't want this nice car anymore because I hate that payment, you know. Uh, you've probably all been in that struggle before, back and forth in, in your heart. And who wants to worry about money? We want to love on people. And we'd been getting by and, and then, you know, uh, decided to build a house. I wanted to build a house when we moved here, but we were starting a church, didn't know what was all going to happen. And so we bought a house over on Fernwood there, lived there nine years. And, and um, uh, Joan said one day, maybe... Maybe this would be a good time to, you know, you that we could build a house. And so <laughs> I took off. Okay, you know, and started, you know, coming up with a plan and getting our house ready. And we sold it in one day. And uh, and we, I set out to build this house, and um, it turned out it was worth a lot of money after I got it done because I put a lot of sweat into that thing, and I had a blast doing it. And then Dave and Libby said. Hey, could you build a house for us? We love your house, but can you build a small version of it <laughs> for us? And, uh, and I said, under two conditions. You borrow your own money, pay for the materials, and don't neuter my creativity. <laughs> like, I don't want to be your employee, but let me, so let me have some creative liberties here, and I'll make you a great space, and we work together. I, I don't remember us ever arguing about anything on that house, except for Dave, get over here and help me. <laughs> we started on the house, and uh, I made calls, and I arranged things, wanting this house to be a blessing for them, because they had been a blessing to our church. But overall, as the weeks went by, I found myself wanting to be over at the house when there was nothing pressing here at the church. I was like, I could be doing something. And then I had a conversation with our leadership team, and uh, which is our church board, and asked if they cared if I spent some time over their building during the week instead of feeling guilty that I was trying to sneak over there or should I sneak over there. And, and I, I asked them a little tentatively, and I said this statement, maybe I could, you know, maybe I wouldn't even, you know, need my church check, you know. And, and, and that's basically what happened. I, I didn't quite have the faith to say, 
I won't need, you know, I could do this or I could, you know, blah, 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 and all this. But so for a few months, that's what's hap- that's what happened. And as I was able to say, you know, I don't I don't need my church check. And and I'd 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 been working Monday through Thursday over there. And then on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'd work at Falls Church. I'd write my message on Friday, Saturday morning. Uh, for, uh, get here and work five, six hours on the PowerPoint in the morning and finishing the message. And then on Sundays, I would do services. And for a few months, uh, other projects then started to come my way. And uh, then I found the months were clicking by. And, and and Carl said, you know, one time to me, you know, are you going to ever are you ever going to ask for a check again? And I said, I, I don't know, but uh, uh, I'm, I'm loving the way this is going. And as we started thinking about renewing our lease in 2017, we started asking the question, do we feel good about this commitment of $15,000 a month for this wonderful space to operate the church? And what if we could operate the church with less of a burden financially and be able to give more away? Pastor Dave had been working a job outside of the church. Rochelle was, too, and still working with the kids. Davey and Jesse had jobs and were part-time at the church and, and working other jobs at that time. In the fall of 2016, I was the only really full-time person on the payroll at Falls Church. And here I was trying to inspire in these conversations with people this aspiration of tent-making and uh, that you could work and do ministry out of the joy of your heart and that you don't have to just get paid to do ministry. And here I was, the only one on our staff who was collecting a full-time payroll check twice a month for the church. And a lot of Christians call it tent-making, and tent-making simply means you're earning a living rep. Outside of the church, you're earning a living with your own hands. After the Apostle Paul stated that he never took money for ministry for three years, he worked in the church in Ephesus. Acts chapter 20 says, Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own need and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you... That's an important phrase because Paul's saying, I showed you. He's saying, I'm a minister and I'm modeling this for you, meaning follow my example, that there should be people that go, wow, you mean I showed you that this kind of hard work must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That Paul said, not only did he work hard with his hands, but his hand, what he did himself was productive, taking care of other people who his companions, that maybe people that worked for him, worked with him in his business. I don't exactly know how, but he ends with Jesus' words saying, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I showed you, meaning a model for others to follow. Paul stating his hard work had made an impact in a positive way on his community and uh, that the work as well was something that God had blessed and he was able to give rather than be a taker. Now, because 
my family finances were no longer related to uh, the finances of the church. I feel like, this is my feeling, I feel like by having uh, my business take off on outside of the church, it gave me for the first time in all those years of ministry the ability to make a decision of what's best for the church because it didn't, it wasn't going to affect me and my salary. Does that make sense? Like if I was protecting me, a smart pastor would have stayed in that building because it was a much better facility and we had way, it was a way easier time outside of, you know, maybe the hounds of Hades that were barking next door lately, but we had a plan to get rid of all of them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was going to send Pepsi in with the virus. <laughs> just kidding. We love dogs, but just not in church. If I was about protecting my career and our church, church as an establishment, as an entity, it would have been much smarter to keep driving and keeping staying in that space. That's what I'm saying. But it released me to do what was best for the church it, without it feeling like, oh, this is going to affect me. What, what's best for the church? Because we're more than aware of the consumerism of Americans who shop churches like they do produce at a grocery store. Oh, the music. I'm liking the music. Oh, the pastor is pretty good. The kids program over here. Do you see what they're doing with the youth? They're awesome. And I, and, and I know the Grange facility was really nice and set up really well. And the fact that probably 150 people never came over here one time kind of tells you something about the draw of that space and the idea that we're going to do these things for them. What if we went back and tried to capture a sense of a New Testament church? Think about what Jesus left behind in his ministry. Some people on today's standards would say Jesus was a failure. Where's the temple of Jesus? Where's the campus of Jesus' ministry? Where are, where, where are those? Where are those buildings? Lord... Matter of fact, when Jesus was walking with his disciples and they noticed the temple, remember that, Joan? They said, look at, Lord, look at this building. Look how amazing it is. And Jesus said, not one stone will be left on another one. Jesus said, you're really impressed with this building, but it's all going to come crumbling down. And today, that's an actual, we were there. We, we saw that. That's an actual pile of rubble from the temple that fell over, two, well, about 2,000 years ago, 1940 or so. The new Jesus followers never built a campus of Jesus ministry. They gathered to worship and to pray, mostly in homes. And what if our goal was to give instead of build something that will be remembered by? Put something inside of someone's life that, that a dollar value could never, could never amount to. We talked about it Wednesday night in our guys' study. Do people come to church to bring God worship or do they come to receive? If you're coming to receive, then you judge it by how what it what it did for you. Ah, eh, worship was okay. Pastor, I didn't get really, really get Pastor Lance. Usually he's okay, but today he was didn't wasn't on his A, a game at all. 
But if you come to say, I've come to the house of God to give him the praise that he's due. I've come to give a, a sacrifice of praise to the house of God. You come to give to God. How could you ever leave and feel like, eh, God was okay. He was all right today. I think we'd all agree that there are times we do need to receive from the Lord. And we come and we go, Lord, I, I need you. But if the scripture is true, what Paul was saying, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Then mostly we should be ready, willing and passionate as we gather together about what can I give to God today? Worship and offering and, and my service to him. And our leadership team is unified that we don't want a bunch of attenders at Falls Church who go to Falls Church, but the words of Jesus are not shaping their life, that they're, that they're not willing to pick up their cross and die to themselves. And we're not saying that we're against the modern church trends that are going on in America of build, 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 and get them in, get them in, get them in, get them in. And then they'll believe you say a prayer, you say a sinner's prayer, then you're, you're in, you made it, you did it. And now take all the grace you can. And not, the Bible doesn't indicate a prayer changes anything. Only when somebody radically dies to themselves and clings to Jesus. And if they have Jesus, they found the treasure of all, you know, of all time and into eternity. When you have that as your goal, you cannot miss as a church or a ministry. And if you're here because you liked everything Falls Church offered your family, I apologize for giving you a poor substitute for a changed life. Because our goal should be, what can I give to God? Lord, my life is not my own. And that is something our kids and our youth need to see in our lives. And if, they'll mo if we'll model that, they'll find the same hope in Jesus, and it won't come down to how good our kids' ministry is or how good our youth pastor is. Because our students don't need an, a great rock concert and a bunch of pizza. What they need is the same Jesus that rescued you and I. And brought us from death and religion and religious obligation to I found real hope in my life. I found the joy of giving. You can find us online at falls.church or by searching Facebook at facebook.com slash fallschurch.sf.